Hello, everyone, and welcome to Popcast on the Rocks, episode 56. It's another Wednesday. We are back. My name is John. I'm joined by Andrea, and we're going to talk about pop culture things that we like after mm-hmm. we update you on our, our amazing weeks, I'm sure. <laughs> so uh, how are you doing tonight? I'm good. I'm good. Although uh, amazing week might be a tall order to live up to. I think <laughs> I think my, my week could be more characterized as like, average so-so but okay. uh but if you've had an amazing week you should definitely tell us about it okay i mean <laughs> every week's an amazing week i'm alive right all right oh i like that i like that it's yeah. very uh philosophical of you which i think is very appropriate given given these uh couple of episodes of falcon and winter soldier that we're going to talk about i felt like they were very philosophical as well okay Well, I'm pumped to hear your take, and I'm sure everyone else's as well. Um, What did you do in your uh, mediocre average week? (laughs) Uh, Not a whole lot, um, which is probably why it's it's more average than normal. Um, Just you know, I mean, I guess I guess the the amazing characteristic of my week could be that I kept another human alive for another week. So you know, woo. Best week going. That's right. That's right. Hopefully, uh, hopefully continues for quite a while here. Yeah. Um, but yeah, other than that, I mean, I, uh, got outside a couple of times before and around the snowfall that we've had. Um, I went outside and, and walked five miles today. So I guess that's a pretty amazing accomplishment. I saw that. Yeah. 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 Um, I mean, I'm only, uh, I'm only five weeks post, uh, giving birth to our daughter. So I think actually that's pretty, pretty good considering the recovery rate from, from labor. Um, yeah. But yeah. And then that, uh, just hung around the house a little bit, did some baking, did some cooking, watched, uh, some more real housewives of New York and, okay. uh, you know, Great. got, got my fill of trashy TV that way, you know, when my daughter would let me take a break. Um, and then got my fill of non-trashy TV in watching uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier episodes that we're covering. Nice. So, um, fitness trainer Mike is in the chat. Thanks for hey. jumping in. Um, glad for you to join us. Absolutely. Uh, well, yeah, that uh, that sounds alright. Like you said, big milestones. <laughs> it's alive. Long walks. Yep, that's nice. right. That's that's my world right now. <laughs> Nice. How about yourself? Um, what have you been up to? Tell me yeah, something I, exciting. Uh, well, I mean, as we talked before, kind of spread out the birthday things or whatever, I guess. Just oh. why not continue so to linger with the stuff? Yeah. You got a few more um, birthday things to show us? Yeah. And well, well, no, not really. I don't. But uh, <laughs> um, I did have some family over okay. um, and... It happened to be on the day that one of my favorite um, mus- musical groups was performing live online, um, London Grammar. And okay. so, um, yeah, we had cake and good food and whatever and um, listened to the live performance. Excellent. So that was fun. Um, very happy. The new, their new album is California Soil. Mm-hmm. Um, and I enjoy it. It's very good. I'm happy. Um, Excellent. Mike is giving you a congratulations on the, the <laughs> youngling. 
the new thank you <laughs> the youngling yeah sounds like a jedi in training which I, I would mean, be amazing hopes yeah right? yeah yeah that'd be pretty badass so less so. dogmatic yeah <laughs> mm-hmm. um yeah awesome um i played some more video games got on to luke stream some um i've been kind of jumping all over place in video games i a little more animal crossing here and there i play a little bit of outriders on game pass play a little bit of days gone um I listened to, like, kept up on the news about Days Gone and controversy surrounding that. Um, I've been What's getting going about? with. Well, um, it's just some of the stuff, some of the creators uh, have been out and giving interviews and talking about Days Gone. And and um, Jason Schreier did a uh, games journalist, I guess. He did a... Um, a piece that was kind of behind the scenes of Naughty Dog and Bend Studios, who makes Days Gone, and uh, what, what a number of things came out of that, including okay. which was that supposedly uh, Bend Studios is not working on a Days Gone two; that that was not oh. greenlit to do, which surprised a lot of people because um days gone actually sold very well right and so it kind of brought up this conversation of how much does sony care about um metacritic scores mm-hmm. and it brought up more like some of the the one guy that was working on the project he said how um i i don't remember their names uh unfortunately i already used their names but um that Sony cares a lot about the Metacritic score. And it's unfortunate because they don't think that there's a school of thought that thinks that the game didn't get enough PR, good press or whatever. Sure. And then when they released the 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 embargo for review, it was pre like day one patch. Normally they would, you know, often they will require you the hey, here's a patch, please install this patch, make sure that that's done before you release your review because um, that's the way games are. So a lot of people reviewed the game in a very buggy, Mm. terrible state. Sure. Uh, And it got um, quite a few negative reviews then, some mediocre reviews, whatever. Um, But past all that stuff, you know, it sold well. And it's the, the game one. You know, everybody likes doing sequels, right? So it's game one, and that's what takes the time to build your foundation for making mm-hmm. sequels you know mm-hmm. sequels are an easier thing to make because you've you've whatever engine you're in you've worked on you've created so many assets for it you understand your gameplay like right uh, so yeah it was like a 10-year project for him it took too long Oof. just like 10-year game or whatever and um yeah there was turnaround at the studio and all kinds of stuff going on so i uh i followed all that so, but we'll get to some more Sony stuff um, later, more Sony controversy, I guess, um, mm-hmm. but in the state of, be some good news instead, so. <laughs> yeah. I froze. Oh, no. I, okay, I'm back. On my screen, I froze. That's all right. Um, yeah, I've been reading some comics and getting going on work, so. All right. Yeah, you've, you've definitely had a, a grab bag of a week, just kind of a, a little bit of everything everywhere, but. Sounds pretty good. Yeah. Um, 
drinking something fun today? I am. I am. I am uh, following April 19th, uh, also known as my mother's birthday. Uh, but oh, also. Oh, happy birthday. Nice. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, I'll pass it along to her. Um, uh, April 19th, other than being my mother's birthday, is also known as World Amaretto Day. So, in honor of that, I am drinking something I used to drink in college, which is an amaretto sour. And nice. we've got uh, we've got it in. Oops, I'm trying to figure out which way I'm going. So we've got it in the Shakespeare glass. Oh, cool! Little, which is pretty awesome. I got that for Christmas from my father-in-law. Um, but that's actually going to come up again later. Uh, Shakespeare is anyway during one of our talks about Falcon and Winter Soldier. So I thought that that was an appropriate glass to have today. Cool. Nice. So, yeah. So that's that's what I'm I'm drinking. How about yourself? I saw your rather impressive mug that you just lifted up a moment ago. What you got in there? Yeah. Um, <laughs> this is my my go-to favorite mug for sure. It's a leather mm-hmm. leather mug for. I got Renfest. I was gonna say uh, very Renfest of you. Mm-hmm. Um. I'm drinking actually a, uh, a Surly First Avenue Plus. Oh, all right. So um, usually those like promotional Surly 93X or whatever aren't very great, but um, I'm enjoying this one. It's light and refreshing, which is what I was hoping it would be. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Yeah, not Excellent. many drink holidays right now. Nope, nope, nothing, nothing much going on in April, unfortunately. But making the best of it. Yep. Nice. Um, okay, so as we had mentioned or alluded to, we'll be getting to Falcon and Winter Soldier episodes four and five uh, later in the episode. Mm-hmm. Before that, we've got a little bit of news to cover that hopefully um, you find interesting. Got some video game stuff up front, um, and then we'll kind of morph and meld into Marvel stuff. Mm-hmm. So um, we kicked off, I think it was the week. I don't know mm-hmm. what day it actually was, but the Resident Evil Showcase. <laughs> clap, clap, applaud, yes. That's right. Um, did you get to catch the whole thing? I did get to catch the whole thing. I'm so, so, so excited. I mean, nice. obviously, you you know me. Um, anybody who listens knows me in the sense of I love Resident Evil, especially four. Um, and so I'm I'm excited for Resident Evil Eight to come out as it's got very four esque vibes. Um, and uh, yeah, it just it looks intense, scary. The gameplay looks amazing, um, and I'm I'm excited to learn more about the story as the the trailer's given us some very intriguing glimpses into who our villains are and who our playable heroes are. Yep. Especially yeah. with that uh closing on the on the trailer, the repetition of Ethan Winter's name was very uh mm. you know, obviously uh letting us know what we're what we're in for, but also very ominous and uh yeah, just leaves you leaves you ready to play and get into it, I think. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely... I think that Capcom's doing 
in my book anyway, such a good job of um, giving everybody that wants something specific from Resident Evil, giving them content that they would like. Mm -hmm. Because there are people that, like yourself, that love Resident Evil 4 and a little more action-oriented kind mm -hmm. of Resident Evil game. And then there's those that really like the more... Um, like methodical, slower paced, uh, kind of suspense driven kind of thing. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, normally you'd ammo's uh, scarcity in Resident Evil 4, you find ammo a lot, they drop ammo, yeah. you know, it's <laughs> like it's it's uh, it's, it's different. So I think it's kind of cool, even with our main line going from seven to eight, seven was supposedly very terrifying, and now mm -hmm. eight might be. It's different thematically. We've got seemingly, right. you know, I, I like that as well. Like this Ethan Winters trilogy has mm -hmm. taken us to different horrors than the rest of Resident Evil always has. Mm -hmm. Than you know, uh, T virus or whatever, and right, and uh, that stuff. So, yeah. Though I, though I did find it interesting to note that that. Uh, in the showcase, they were mentioning that um, this isn't going to directly tie to seven in terms of story. Mm -hmm. So we don't like if if anybody is like anticipating, you know, oh, man, I better go back and kind of like check out Res, Res Evil 7's storyline. Apparently not needed. I mean, sure. Other than, you know, the very, very basics. But, yeah, it's not going to be a continuation. So nice. don't worry I mean, if you haven't if you haven't. Yeah. It's kind of nice to to not worry about, you know, trying to recall something, you mm -hmm. know, from the previous game. So, well, when they're making these games, uh, like thematically so different or your, your villains so different, it's nice that you don't have just mm -hmm. um, like unnecessary or really weak connections just to make it connect. Right. You know, yeah. Just, uh, don't try to force it. Yeah. So. But uh, yeah, they, they announced a complicated um, layout of time zones and demo yes. availability slots and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. The first demo has already um, come and gone. Mm -hmm. um, they have a deal with, uh, with PlayStation to get stuff early. So um, the next demo is going to be on the 24th mm -hmm. on PlayStation and May 1st on Xbox. That's... Um, is there a time slot for this one as well? There definitely was on the last one. It was an eight there, hour window. There is. Yes. So the, okay. the April 24th PlayStation demo is, I believe the castle demo. I think they've already mm -hmm. released the village demo. Um, and yes, there are specific time slots. Um, so you can go on their website and check out, you know, your time zone and when your time slot starts and ends. Um, and both on April 24th for just the castle demo and on May 1st, uh, for Xbox, which I believe is both demos. So, okay. yeah. Okay. But yeah, go on their website and check out where, what your time zone is and what your time slot yeah. is. So they give us a new trailer. Mm -hmm. Um, I saw some people later playing the demo, so yep. I, I didn't watch too much of it, but there was plenty of, uh, like... I don't want, I really don't want to play the demo, actually. I don't want yeah, to. Yeah, I don't want it to be spoiled. Start. Yeah. <laughs> uh, 
um, they're doing a time trials mode called Mercenaries mm -hmm. that comes yep. with it. That looks like it could be fun. Mm -hmm. um, and then further, like they acknowledge that it's been Resident Evil has been around for 25 years. And so they had some game industry people on to say, like, congratulations, to, that you're still going strong. Yes. And um, notably, again, the PlayStation connection is strong here because not only are they getting the demos early, but then most of the guests they had to um, acknowledge the were, were also from from Sony or right. previously from Sony. So right. Which, you know, honestly, in my mind, like when I think Resident Evil, I think uh, I think PlayStation. You oh. probably think GameCube. I do, yeah. But that's <laughs> the outlier, you know? Yeah. Um, I, I sometimes think Dreamcast, too. But again, it kind of, you know, PlayStation is where it began. And yeah. I think every play, every Resident Evil game has been on PlayStation. Even yes. though Resident Evil 4 was Originated uh, on a GameCube, GameCube thing for a yeah. while, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. There could be there's offshoots. There, I'm sure there. They, don't at me. I'm sure there's some offshoot that's <laughs> not on PlayStation, but yeah, yeah. Um, Infinite Darkness. They released a trailer for that. That's a Netflix anime movie, quote unquote. I guess. Um, mm -hmm. What do you think of that? I'm pretty excited about it. Um, I hadn't. I don't know why this totally went over my head, but I hadn't realized it was going to be animated so i definitely was like taken aback for a moment mm. um i thought it was going to be live action um but well, i'm i'm cool with it being animated i just you know took my took my brain a minute to adjust my my expectations and my reality to what they were showing me well and i mean that's probably because they are making a new live action one so then they're right. like oh movie yeah it's like oh yeah but yeah different one you got projects coming out of out of their ears so yes yes but this looks pretty good i'm i'm excited about it um netflix has really i think done some cool things um you know in in promoting a lot of their recent animated series that have been adapted either from other series or video games um so i'm i'm excited i think netflix is is still a powerhouse when it comes to adapting content you know for their own like "Quote unquote original shows," um, so yeah, I'm I'm pumped. Absolutely. Well, let's use this next thing to like transition into another event <laughs> that happened. Then, so they yeah. did show briefly the Resident Evil Four and VR for Oculus. Yes, um, that was announced. Yes, and we had today the Oculus Oculus Gaming Showcase, mm -hmm. which, which went a little deeper. It. Yeah, into the I, VR I for Resident Evil Four. Okay, what do you think? Uh, it looks fantastic. Um, it really shows that they've put a lot of work into remastering the game so that you know your your point of view now lines up um, from your point of view rather than from Leon Kennedy's, you know, as a character on the screen. Um, I think they've done a really great job updating the graphics and updating the game without um, taking away from you know, that feeling of the quality of the game in its original form. You know what I mean? They've done, a, they've done a good job remastering without going too far. Um, 
where, you know, it, it looks too new where your, your brain just kind of goes like, no, I didn't want you to actually do that. And, you know, I, I didn't need the detail kind of some of the fun is in watching, you know, the presentation of an older game and looking at like the graphics for the time period. Um, and I think they've done a great job of staying faithful to that while also, like I said, cleaning up a few things and then um, remastering the point of view that you can look at while you're playing the game. Nice. So you're going to buy an Oculus Quest 2 now? Oh my God, I'm so tempted. <laughs> don't start my uh, don't start my online shopping addiction while I'm on maternity leave, John. Chris will come <laughs> home and every day I'm going to have something new. He's going to be like, oh man, we can't leave you alone. <laughs> yeah. Surprise. But yeah, if, if, well, you just pepper in some things that he's really interested in as well. I was going to say, yeah. I mean, I think he might forgive me for this purchase since he also, you know, loves Res Evil 4 as much as I do. And that's, you know, one of the earliest things we did together when we were dating was, was play the game together. So, so this might, this might, yeah. you know, he might let this one slide. Yeah, it's just, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's really for you, honey. It's that's right. for, it's for us. our relationship. Yeah. It's for us. <laughs> um, well, I mean, it'd be a good thing to, to try and see mm -hmm. if you like, I suppose he won't let you return the game, but you could return the headset. Right. And you could see if you have the motion legs for it. Yes. You know? Yes. See if that's something you can adapt to even, see if that's, um, if you enjoy it as much as you think you might. Right, yeah. If I was ever going to try virtual reality, I mean, this would be the game to get me there. So <laughs> mm -hmm. we'll see. And I still think they're so good for exercise. Yes. Like mm -hmm. when I exercise with Beat Saber, the the calories are off the charts compared to anything else. Like sure. weightlifting will get me stronger, but I want to burn calories. I'll play Beat Saber. All right. So, and there's boxing games and that kind of thing. So. Yeah. Yeah. I remember yeah. that was that was a huge part of why we were so excited to get a Wii to do all like the Wii sports, you know, when you're, I mean, it's not that quite the same as virtual reality, but you're still like, yeah. you know, going through the motions, just holding a controller yep. instead. So this could be a, yep. an even more fun way to do that. Boxing was a workout, you yes. know, short spurts, but yeah, Wii boxing. Yeah. Yep. Sure. Um, I just kind of looked at a little bit of a sort of summary. I didn't get to watch the, it's kind of happening like, right before a podcast almost. Yeah. <laughs> um, but they, do you see anything that was interesting to you else from that? Um, not especially. I mean, the, you know, they had the new Star Wars, um, or not the, the newest Star Wars, but the Star Wars Galaxy's Edge game that, you know, kind of caught my interest a little bit, but there was far less about that than there was about um, Resident Evil 4. I think their the Star Wars clip was just maybe a minute or two long, so I didn't really get a good sense of of gameplay. I just got a sense of you know some of the characters that they were introducing, um, some of the settings that they were going to be in, not necessarily what the game was going to be. So sure. Um, I looked at like I say just kind of an overview, and I I thought yeah. Lone Echo looked pretty. Mm -hmm. Sure. Um, there's some game that is kind of a <clears throat> spiritual in this 
same category as uh, 1080 snowboarding from the Nintendo 64. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I saw um, that. I was starting to, to tune out a little bit by then. Okay, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, the, the tough thing people always say about VR is that usually it doesn't present all that well. Yeah. Like, you need, it's just you have to experience it. Right. Uh, well, it's it's it almost just looks like you're you're watching a movie on a screen or something because you're not in it. It doesn't feel yeah. 3D in the sense like where you put on the headset and it feels that you're in it. This you're just sort of like I said like watching a movie like when you were watching the the snowboarding game demo, it's just like slopes of snow. So it it's just it doesn't translate to all that exciting you know what i mean on a on a flat yep. screen just presented playing before you no absolutely i mean they had um yeah alan found it i think carbs oh, no yeah sure sure 80 people yeah um <clears throat> it's it's like half-life alex is was very well reviewed uh won some awards if you watch that gameplay, you think, oh, that could be cool to do. But it, if you watch that verse side by side with Doom, another mm -hmm. first person shooter, um, they're very different. And Doom is incredibly exciting. Like, yeah. it's crazy stuff happening all over the place. It's nuts. Well, you can feel a lot. Things feel a lot more intense and a mm -hmm. lot more frenetic and everything when you're in VR. Like, you couldn't keep pace right. with Doom you'd just be completely sick or whatever, you know, like it's just the game is designed differently. And even Half-Life Alex, they talk about length, you know, they said usually people like to pick up things and poke around and like explore their environment a little more. Whereas mm -hmm. sometimes you just beeline in, in regular, you know, two dimensional game. Sure. So, you know, the game is kind of short if you just like rush through it, but people mm -hmm. usually usually don't so they're the different definitely different ways to design and um yeah hard to sell yeah so get one of those headsets andrea strap <laughs> it on and try it 14 day return policy you're fine <laughs> yeah that could be one of our one of our side videos for our podcast is watch andrea make a fool of herself yeah. in yeah. vr headset gear <laughs> and, and then rip it off as she throws up <laughs> uh, just kill the zombie <laughs> um let's see so last bit of gaming news there like i say oh, there yeah. was quite a bit this week i could have talked about the whole like controversy or whatever and stuff with things going on with sony this is one thing that's a bright spot though yeah with sony um they were going to close down the PS3, Vita, and PSP online stores. Mm -hmm. And um, people freaked out because they're already, like, were, patches were disappearing and all stuff. Game developers had, like, literally just bought new Vita dev kits. And then a month later, they're like, mm, we're actually, you're not going to be able to publish your game because we're shutting it down. Um, that kind of thing. Well, they've reversed course. Um, they they heard the outcry, I guess, and the mm -hmm. PS3 and the Vita stores are staying open. Yes. So, Which is excellent uh, news. And uh, 
testament to the power of the people in making your voice heard. Yeah. I mean, it, it's interesting. It's really interesting because these stores are older, you know, mm-hmm. so uh, maybe not the Vita so much, but the PS3 and, and the PSP one is still closing. Um, so it's not really so much of a surprise, but everybody seems to agree that it was handled poorly, that mm-hmm. it was it needed to be much further notice given. Mm-hmm. Um, don't make developers assume they can release a game within the year and then they can't. Right. Um, that kind of thing. So, yeah, it's it's a bit of good news. And I've been really, in the last couple weeks, really down on um on sony and i've seen a lot of the like the tide shift in terms of the the narrative going around the uh, breakdown between playstation and xbox and stuff but to me Mm -hmm. this really gave me hope that even though like jim ryan maybe has never played a video game in his life like clearly he's aware that they can't have these like they can't have their fans all turn on them at once, you know? Yes. And then, you know, the media that's been on their side a long time has kind of, has really started to shift and turn as well. And so you're going to start getting a, getting to be a bad look. And I think this shows that they're, they are listening and they are aware. And to me, that gives, gives me hope for them to, um, ultimately do what's right by, uh, the majority of their players. Mm -hmm. Um, because I really want them to stick around, you know? Mm-hmm. Microsoft is a juggernaut and could just like buy up the gaming world, just like eat them all if they want to be bought. Mm-hmm. And uh, Sony can't do that. So I really want to see them them and Nintendo stick around mm-hmm. and uh, be in this space and make awesome stuff, so. Yeah, I agree. Um... You know, it's always it's always scary to think that, you know, any industry can be dominated by just like a monolith of a company, Um, Mm -hmm. not not only because, you know, it forces you to, um, you know, support that company through your dollars or not, Um, you know, when you don't get any choices, that's that's not very fun to like, you know, if you if you don't support that company or if you don't um, agree with what that company is doing, it's not a very fun thing to like have to make that decision. But also because it, I think it kills creativity. You know, if if one company, even though you have like one company being the umbrella for a lot of different like mini companies or mini, you know, studios or things like that, I think it still kind of kills the creativity to, you know, think like, oh, now we're exclusively designing a game, not only um, you know, for this audience, but also for this executive who has to give it the go ahead. And, you know, when you know somebody and you know what they'll say yes and no to, um, that really just kind of like narrows your options. So, Mm -hmm. yeah. Well, you know, it's kind of, it's been, they've been running up against it because partially because of this article and stuff has contributed to the, the doomsday kind of talk, but Mm-hmm. PlayStation had such a seemingly winning strategy with the PS4. Like they had when you look back at the PlayStation like I would not hesitate to recommend someone go out and buy a PS4 Pro mm-hmm. and subscribe to like PlayStation Now or whatever and you've I mean the number of great games that they have um exclusive to the platform is pretty nuts. And so I thought they would be continuing basically with this strategy but 
what it seems like is they're really moving into we want to do this like empire of things like Marvel. Mm-hmm. Some people have compared it that way because they're doing a uh, Last of Us HBO show mm-hmm. and they're doing an Uncharted movie. And I think they're going to do a Ghost of Tsushima movie. Yep. And so they're they're all in the movie space and trying to like make their games align with this and like create whatever sort of synergy. And there's talk that uh, they're going to do Naughty Dog is working on a Last of Us one remake, which is insane because that wow. game is not old. Yeah. So they're th- thinking like, oh, oh some God. people think they'll. I don't know. They'll replace the faces with the actors or something, you know? <laughs> oh, God, it's Spider-Man syndrome. Movie. Yeah. It's way too soon. Well, <laughs> yeah. They just, it seems like they're putting all their money into a couple things that are, in their mind, too big to fail, that they know will sure. be critical successes, that they know are recognizable, and it just, uh, yeah, like you said, the creativity. It seems like mm-hmm. um, the the smaller guys and the weirder games and stuff are being forgotten about. And and maybe this isn't true, you know. Maybe like they are still working on a lot of smaller, weirder things, but it doesn't seem that way. And it has people sure. worried that that Sony's going to become just the Last of Us and Spider Man company, you know. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, it's a real fear. I mean, you know, it's it's so much depends on like commercial success these days, but also what what, you know, studio heads or executives deem successes, you mm-hmm. know, like you were talking about before, um, you know, where where, you know, they're concerned with a specific metric like a metacritic score, and if you're yeah. not delivering on that, then you're failing. And, yep. you know, it just kills creativity that way because you can't just measure you know, success by one metric. So yep. that's tough. Yep, absolutely. Uh, you know, they say that every generation for PlayStation has been like make or break for Sony. <laughs> you know, like it's been a while where they, you know, if the PlayStation 3 had really failed, PlayStation would be done. You know, mm-hmm. like it was, it's not like you get a generation pass. Right. You know, they don't have the cash to do that. Right. So they really have to succeed every generation. It it makes me root for them. It makes them want them to do well because mm-hmm. I mean, I wish they I it seems silly. I wish they could get ahead more so it didn't feel so urgent. Yeah, like make silly. or break every time. Like you're yeah. you're living on the razor's edge. <laughs> yeah. Right. So don't know. But um I I honestly envision us in within 20 years sony being like sega in a way they get out of the consoles hardware space and they're mm-hmm. making they're focusing on their like once a year triple a amazing games and they're available everywhere okay and they'll be renowned like like a director would be you know sure oh like a martin scorsese oh it's every <laughs> movie you know and so sony game Studios is, is like doing that and yeah, I don't know. Okay. Let's see. All right, write it down uh, now, folks. John's predictions. We're going to check back. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, you'll all forget. <laughs> yeah, unless you put no, that I'll never forget. in the fridge and you leave it and you check. Yeah. 
Challenge accepted. Um, I'll never forget. Okay. All right. So be it. <laughs> um, so I just saw that Shadow and Bone. Mm-hmm. You heard about this? Yes. Oh. Um, is a show releasing on Netflix on April 23rd. I thought the trailer made it look interesting anyways. Mm-hmm. Um, cool. But it just reminded me that I'm still getting lost in the sea of content um, because now there's a movie on Netflix called Stowaway coming out. Now, that's a movie, not a show, but that looks really cool too. And mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know if I'm going to end up watching either of these things. <laughs> Well, I am I am definitely intrigued by Shadow and Bone. I haven't read the book series, um, but I just ordered the first one. And um, I'm interested because I just read a couple of the spoiler-free reviews, um, but they all seem to agree that the Netflix show is the rare media that improves on the book series. And I am always intrigued when people think that, because I am definitely one of those people who is of the mindset that the book series is the best. Um, sure. But, you know, I, I do think that there are, there are very few, few things that do improve on the book series. And, and to see a lot of people agree that this does makes me very interested to watch it. So I'll probably be checking that out. Awesome. Yeah. I, well, let me know how it is. Maybe I'll maybe I'll get to it as well. I need to watch yeah. one, one Punch Man yet still too. Yes, but, get it. <laughs> you know, because it just, uh, maybe I'm really having trouble adapting to the new way that we get movies and such. Okay. Because I, I wanted to like bring up the good thing about Marvel things as I still feel like Marvel movies are the one thing or TV shows that's kind of an eventized thing that enough people might see that you could actually talk about it because otherwise there's so many services with so many things and movies Mm -hmm. coming out, you know, the courier, you know, Benedict Cumberbatch, that's Mm -hmm. a movie coming out, you know, like, but, but unless there's something particular that really is like, I must see this you probably end up passing it by and so does everyone else. Mm-hmm. And even if you do watch it, the chances are that anyone else, you know, has seen it as well is mm-hmm. slim to none. Mm-hmm. So I feel like, like we're going to get to this point where so much stuff is going to get drowned out and we're going to get the eventized things that someone like Marvel can bring us that enough right. people have recognition, name recognition with and and at least have seen some of it, you know, or know it's happening or have heard of it. You know, they have some context for it. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's always, you know, streaming platforms are, I think are always going to be competing to see who has the next game of Thrones and the next, you know, cross platform recognizable show that people are like, Oh, I have to see it. So I'm going to buy, you know, HBO or I'm going to buy Hulu or I'm going to buy whatever. Um, so yeah, I mean it's a it's a constant competition to see who's got the next thing. Yep. Yep, for sure. Um And yeah, you're right. I mean, Marvel right now is probably dominant in that arena, but I mean, you know, a, a lot of uh a lot of streaming platforms have things coming out soon that they're hoping they're going to be, you know, claiming the title like um 
Amazon's got, uh, you know, the new Lord of the Rings. They've got the Wheel of Time. You know, they're they're hoping one or both of those is going to be the next Game of Thrones. So we'll see if they can sort of like wrest some of the attention away from Disney. Yeah, which reminds me very quickly. Mm -hmm. um, Amazon canceled their Lord of the Rings game. Shut up. The Amazon games have been they've been trying to get in the gaming space and failing miserably. No. So I've, I've been laughing internally because Google and, and Amazon have been doing a one like balls of a job getting yes. uh, gaming space. Um, yeah, these for God's sake. Companies. And so, yeah, they announced that they're they're done. They're not doing that. I figured for sure it'd be like, like you say, the Lord of the Rings television show. Yeah. And, and the then the game. game. At the same time. Yeah. Oh, yeah. God. Can they just like stop tripping over their own feet and get out of their own way and just do I something mean, already? I, I I hope <laughs> I honestly like when I just it's, talked about it's competition comedy. Want, I don't want Amazon and Google in the gaming space. Get oh, out. Oh God. Leave. It's, seriously, it's a comedy of errors. They're just yeah. they can't get over themselves. They can't get out of their own way to get into this, you know, gaming industry. Even like though, like you said, they've got such resources. It's just insane. Yeah. <laughs> yep. I think there's it's yeah, it's a you know, it's a hubris about people that, you know, they're like, well, we can just do this too. And they don't know anything about it. Mm -hmm. And, um, and then they hire people that do know something about it. And then they probably don't listen to those people. Exactly. So, all right, done. <laughs> oh, amusing. Well, at least I've still got the TV show to look forward to, I guess. <laughs> yep. Yep. Um, anyways, we're rolling into Marvel things and I yes. saw that just, I think yesterday, um, they mm -hmm. revealed the new trailer for Shang-Chi, um, which I thought looked pretty cool. I mean, it was a, yeah. it was a well done trailer. Mm -hmm. Um, how about you? Yeah, I enjoyed the trailer a lot. I have not, uh, I've not ever been introduced to the comics, uh, for Shang-Chi, so I'm not, I'm catching up. Um, I tried to do some quick background reading before the show just to like get a sense of, you know, where this is in the Marvel universe. Um, yeah, the, the, the trailer I thought looked great as far as giving hints towards a storyline a bit all over the place, a bit disjointed in terms of, you know, if you're someone like myself who hasn't been introduced to the storyline before you, you were sort of playing catch up and you weren't quite sure what was happening a little bit. Um, but, but not enough to like deter me from, you know, watching the movie or something like that. Just, just maybe like a bit, a bit, um, scattered in its focus. This is a kind of trailer I like in a way. I mean, either mm -hmm. I certainly I'm okay with a very focused trailer, but I mm -hmm. I like that I don't know what's happening story-wise. Sure. Because I just don't want to know. I want to be surprised. So like sure. usually the teaser trailer, like this, that's all I want to see. Mm, I want to sure. some with the teaser trailer, and then then that's it. Because then the next trailer, the long one that breaks down what I'm supposed to expect from a story. Mm -hmm. Well, now, I don't know. I mean, it might convince you more or not, but you're taking away some of the fun of the surprise. Sure. Yeah, I can I can understand that. I'm just usually someone, if I don't know, you know, the lore behind something, 
I like, I don't necessarily want to be introduced to like the antagonist and I don't want to know what your, what the problem is that we're going to overcome, but I do want to be introduced more, um, in a logical fashion to our protagonist. You know, I still didn't, I still couldn't quite figure out like what was going on with Shang-Chi. I mean, you know, you got these like great, like sequences where, you know, we're, we're clearly following his growth and development into, you know, the man he is today, but it still wasn't quite like, I'm not quite sure where this is coming from. Sure. So, but yeah, yeah I mean, I don't, I, uh, I don't want things spoiled. I just want to like get into, yep. you know, like what, what am I, what am I building from? Once again, DC should take note. I mean, we don't know how this movie is going to turn out, but they're taking a uh, like unknown character essentially mm-hmm. and make, giving him his own film like yep. with the money and the budget and everything and yep. um and they're gonna do it well i mean they're gonna i mean they're at least gonna be high production value if nothing else you know and um hopefully it's great and they also have the opportunity then to um they can be more because lord knows they like to do this to be very <laughs> free in their interpretation of the character. They'll embellish a lot, change things, a lot of things around because there isn't the millions of people that are familiar with the content, like the back of their hand. Right. And we don't have a history that we're, we've been exposed to with the characters. So they will definitely feel more free in, in, you know, messing with stuff Mm -hmm. and um, you'll make fewer people upset that way. And right. Yeah. Yeah, it'll be more of an adaptation than, you know, a needing to stay true to. Yeah. Be less faithful. And and sometimes the characters that are less known are in need of that, you Mm -hmm. know, embellishment, like Guardians of the Galaxy or something like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But uh, I got, I have um, some show and tell related to this. Mm, Okay. Because, um, I, as a child, um, nor as an adult or anything like that, read any Shang-Chi, but I was in um, uh, Fort Myers, and there was this um, shop that they sell local art and different things or whatever there, um, some antiques and whatnot, and it would all go to, like, um, domestic violence, um, like, uh, programs and support and stuff in the community. And, um, so I found there three comics that, um, they're, the comics are the deadly hands of Kung Fu and they feature Iron Fist and Shang-Chi. Very cool. Yeah. Oh Um, yeah. Look at that. mm -hmm. So I have not yet read them, but, uh, there's, there's three and they are actually in order. Okay. Um, so sword quest that looks cool for the for the the video viewers yes see the covers oh there's shang chi and the white tiger interesting so yeah i'm looking forward to to reading them yes and they were a little overpriced given their condition but (laughs) i felt i felt terrible so i went in there the shop and i got all these comics and then I'm like, 
you know, I kind of looked him up and stuff, and I was like, I'm really interested in reading this Shang Shang Chi. I like Iron Fist already, and yeah. I'm interested in, in learning some more about Shang Chi. And I know that he's dealt with Iron Fist and whatever. So I looked up the values, and some of them were, one of them in particular was actually worth quite a bit, but in good condition. And these okay. aren't in good condition. So I was like gonna go and, you know, bargain. Mm-hmm. as you would on a used place or whatever. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm sure you can see where this is going or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> but it, firstly, the the people that like owned the section or whatever weren't there, so they couldn't. But then I found out that it, everything was going to charity. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, <laughs> I didn't know that when I came in here. So, right. so then I bought them. So. Yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> you know, you can't you can't be held accountable for that. I mean, if you didn't know. Like, yeah. it's, it's not like you were like, sorry, victims, like, you yeah. know, <laughs> uh, but yeah, so, yeah, I'm, that's cool I'm though. Excited. You should, uh, you should read them and obviously give us your review here on the podcast for what yeah. you think. Yep. My very uninformed normie view of, uh, <laughs> of the first, my first ever, uh, showing of Shang-Chi. So yeah, yeah, it'll be fun. Well, and then it'll be fun to see, you know, when this does come out, you know, what your thoughts are on yeah. the character. If there's anything that, you know, connects between those comics and the show. Well, I'd say hairstyle's different so far. Well, yeah. <laughs> um, though his one jacket definitely is like a throwback to uh, outfit uh, from the comics. So that's cool from that's the trailer. Awesome. I love details like that. So Iron Fist versus Shang-Chi is this first one. Who's going to win? I'm going to place your bet. Um, well, since we're talking about it, I'll take Shang-Chi. Okay. You take Iron Fist since uh, you said my, you like my him. My bet would honestly be <laughs> on a tie because that's usually uh, sure. Goes. I mean, you know, or something very clearly designed for a rematch, you know, so mm-hmm. the other person can win whatever, but yeah. All right. So, Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings coming mm-hmm. soon. Um, in the uh, meantime, what is currently out uh, in the Marvel Cinematic Universe is Falcon and Winter Soldier. Mm-hmm. And so we're about to get real spoilery um, with Falcon and Winter Soldier, episodes four and five. Mm-hmm. Um, episodes four and five. What do you think? You want to take them in one by one? You want to kind of go in a in a... And a lump, we've got a lot happened. I think yes. these were definitely not big episodes, uh, set up episodes. Yeah, we're, we're in the meat of it. Right. Well, I mean, we should be considering that these yeah. are two episodes right before the finale here. Um, so we've got to get moving. Um, I So I, I want to take them one by one, but I also want to just quick, like have an overview comment um, that kind of takes us back a little bit to last week when you were talking about the point of these Marvel TV shows and how, you know, they weren't really um, designed to be things that people needed to see, you know, in order to see like the like the big tentpole Marvel movies. They were just kind of like interesting little side stories and tidbits to, you know, move certain characters along or, um, you know, expand on things that, you know, just happen in the movies. Like, for instance, Sam becoming Captain America. And Mm -hmm. I really, I came away from these two episodes thinking like, yes, 
I really feel that with this TV series right now. Um, whereas, whereas WandaVision gave me a little bit of hope of big things were happening and, you know, there could be some impact on the Marvel movies, like say if, you know, white vision comes back, um, in any of the movies and, you know, that storyline is played out anywhere. Sure. The, the conclusion of these two episodes, um, you know, to, to almost nobody's surprise is Sam finally picks up the Captain America shield and decides he's going to be Captain America. And the closing of that in episode five really gave me that, that feeling of, of, um, that's what this show has been designed to do all along is literally just show us Sam's journey into becoming Captain America. And then we're going to jump into, you know, a Marvel movie where he just is Captain America. And, you know, the average viewer is just going to see, um, you know, that, that natural leap from end game to, you know, whatever movie that Sam yeah. appears in. And this is just really like, Oh, isn't this an interesting side note and how he got there. Yep. So I don't know. It like the, the episodes were great and it really, they, they really made me think, I think they're, like I said earlier in the show, they're both very philosophical and they got very deep and it was very interesting to me, but it, at the same time, I was very aware that, n that nothing big was happening in the sense of, you know, this wasn't going to shake anything up in the Marvel universe at large. That makes sense. And yeah, and there's nothing like inherently bad about that because no. I mean, I remember as a kid reading in now it's all different now, but reading in the Star Wars uh, like encyclopedia or one of the litany of Star Wars books I had, yeah. that was basically Obi-Wan Kenobi taught Anakin Skywalker, the ways of the force. He turned to the dark side. It became Darth Vader. They fought and mm -hmm. over lava and Obi-Wan mm -hmm. defeated him and like push him in lava. And you know, that's why he needs the suit. And that's how it happened. Right. Well, then we get to see how that came to pass, mm -hmm. you know? And so that's entertaining. And, uh, even though we like ultimately the same thing happens we knew the ending, Right. You still got to enjoy the ride and yes. get uh, the detail. So yeah, you have to... to enjoy the ride and, and <laughs> you, it does have, uh, it is important to like, hopefully, like you say with WandaVision, you, it leaves like, you hope that things could be talked about later yeah. in something else, you know, it's leaving seeds for planting seeds for, for future things. Yeah, I I just felt that WandaVision maybe planted a, a few more seeds versus like this feels a little bit more closed to me. Sure. Not not that like I said, not to take away from the quality of the episodes um because I think like here we really got an excellent pair um and I say pair only in the sense of, you know, we watched both this week, you know, for other viewers they sure. watched, you know, one and one. Um but we really got a pair of of great episodes here, but it just, it feels a little more, um, close ended. Mm -hmm. So I definitely thought that these episodes were, uh, strong for the, the series. I still find myself less interested. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I was, I got, you know, and it's not really fair. Like I was a little leery in the first episode or two with WandaVision, 
Mm-hmm. Um, so it's that's kind of the same thing here, uh, I guess. But it's never. It just maybe it's the nature of the characters, mm-hmm. um, whatever path they're taking. I it's just less. I'm less invested. Sure. Uh, but to think that these are definitely the best done episodes of the show so Mm -hmm. far yes um um, okay so episode specific episode four Mm -hmm. what what do we have going on in that one so talk about the philosophical things uh, yeah this episode or uh, how do you want to get to those yeah i do um I definitely i want to I want to talk maybe a little little plot first and then get a little sure. philosophical. Um, but so so as far as episode four goes, um, it was full of a, a couple of fun twists and turns, and of course a few um, cameos that I really was enjoying. Um, first and foremost, obviously, we've got Dora Milaje in this episode, kicking serious ass. Um, you know, against super soldier serum or no serum, um, you know, these girls have got it going on and they were, they were a, definitely a fun addition to, you know, our, our crew here, um, both in terms of, you know, giving Bucky a few ultimatums that, you know, he ultimately has to follow through on concerning Zemo, um, and then also interacting and, uh, you know, setting up, uh, John Walker, um, for a pretty important character shift later on in the episode. Cause I think not only, um, you know, is it, are the events at the end of this episode, um, key to shifting his character, but also, um, this first battle here where he just gets his ass handed to him and he's like, God, they didn't even have super soldier serum and I couldn't do anything are kind of important in setting up that eventual, like, you know, down further downfall of his character and his his need to become somebody in this world. You know, um, that he's not just like this symbolic Captain America figurehead. He really wants to like have the power um, and the ability that goes along with it, just like Steve Rogers. Um, sure. Although obviously it does not turn out as well for him as we'll get to. Right. Um. Let's see, we get we get more like we start seeing this set up as, um, you know, Zemo and the two are, you know, the group here are trying to find the Flag Smashers again. And they mm-hmm. actually Zemo's pretty clever here and he lures kids with candy. Yeah, know, works right. so creepy, but so effective. <laughs> and um, and so they they. Um, it's Turkish delights. Alan says, yeah. Um, downfall, just like, a reminds me of Chronicles of Narnia. Oh, That's yeah. how like the white witch lures in the kids, Turkish delight. I don't know what that is. I don't know why kids like freak out about it. Um, but apparently it's, it's effective I, kid yeah. luring weapons. <laughs> yeah. We should, we should get some. Should yeah. <laughs> just throw some out in the street and see if a bunch of kids come running. <laughs> So what do you think of the storyline here? So Sam is the one that is empathizing mm-hmm. with 
the flags flag smashers uh yes. he's trying to go the alternate route here of let's mm -hmm. let's talk about this a little bit yeah you know, and, and unexpectedly that gets broken up mm -hmm. um my question i guess is i mean i think this makes sense i'm glad that there is uh because sometimes even the well maybe sometimes especially in superhero things it's a little like two excuse to fight and mm -hmm. then you fight and then talk afterwards, you yes. know, oh, we shouldn't have been fighting, I guess, you know? Right. Um, anime does it all the time, whatever. So I get I, the uh, the talking bit. Um, mm -hmm. I don't know that I am convinced that this is their leader. Like, why is oh, she yeah. the one? I mean, um, I guess there's only a handful that have uh, the serum, mm -hmm. you know, so that limits things to begin with. Sure. Um, but uh, do you buy her that she's the leader and that this is like a growing worldwide um, sure. group? And um, I don't know. I, I guess the thing I was most interested with this episode was getting to see a little bit of how they had set up what had happened during the snap and everyone mm -hmm. was gone and then after the snap. Yeah. Because you're missing that context before, and we have a little bit of it now. Yeah. Um, so, to yeah, to talk about the first part, I do have a hard time seeing Carly as the leader of this group. I, I think that she became the leader when she decided to take the serum, and then, you know, people just sort of, like, naturally felt like, oh, she's got a plan, you know, like defaulted to, you know, letting her be in charge. And then that, you know, just sort of like builds and builds through the episodes where, you know, she just sort of like keeps assuming that, yeah, since you followed me once, you're going to keep following me again. Um, and, you know, she gets reinforced by that sense of like people are following her because they assume she has a plan. Um, but it's, it's hard to buy her as the leader and I don't know if it's like maybe her acting or um, just the fact that like we haven't seen her organize many things. We did get a little exactly. bit of, you know, we've got a little taste of that in these last few episodes, but she hasn't really seemed, um, we haven't gotten, I guess we haven't gotten any like more traditional shots of her like ordering people around or or doing something organizational or, you know giving her that sense of authority, power, leadership. So it's it's hard to have bought her as the leader of this group that's supposedly everywhere when she doesn't feel like she's got the skills to coordinate that. Um, yeah, I mean, she seems like we, we get the exposure to her that she is like with a small band of people, kind of. Right. You right. know, but then you say we've been led to believe that this is a worldwide movement they're everywhere, you know, mm -hmm. things get sent out on cell phones. They all like act in like unison we've seen. Um, and we just like, you'd think there'd be different factions and different heads of those factions. We just haven't right. seen that, that coordination because then when we get to see the inner workings, it's like, yeah, it's some people that kind of disagree with how things are going and we're going to individually, you know, make this happen. And, you know, there's four of us, so, you know, or whatever. Right. So, yeah, yeah, it's it's tough because you know, you don't want to get too broad and you don't want to go away from your main characters and the main point of your show, but the flag the flag smashers have felt really small 
as an antagonist in this series. And we're we're meant to keep believing that they're quite large. Like you said, they're worldwide. They have these huge, like, organized um, events that, you know, like they, like, you know, we get a small taste of all these people in that park, get up and walk and, you know, or, you know, early on we had that, that bank robbery where, you know, all those yep. people suddenly coordinated to put on masks, like a flash mob, almost yep. like a, like a terrorist flash mob. Um, and yeah, it's hard to imagine Carly as we've been introduced to her organizing things like that. And of course, you know, she could delegate and, you know, have people to do that for her, but ultimately it's supposed to be her making these decisions and it, she's just felt really small time, not very big. Yep. So, but she does, I mean, I think in these two episodes, she certainly grows more into what feels like a threat in terms of, um, you know, stepping up her game and, and doing that classic villain threaten our hero's family kind of thing. Um, and then also, obviously, she takes she takes a bigger step in actually directly murdering someone. You know, she kills Battlestar. Um, can't I can't remember his real name right now? I feel terrible about that. But oh, um, you feel terrible not uh, remembering the fictional guy. I know, name. I know. Okay. He's coming after me. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, so you know, we see her take like bigger steps towards becoming like a traditional villain in these two episodes, but yeah, it's, it's still hard to buy her sometimes. And I think that convert, thank you, Alan Lamar Hoskins. Um, I think that conversation with Sam that she had at Mama Danya's funeral was one of the weaker points of her, of showcasing her as the, the flag smashers leader. Because she's not seeming confident necessarily yeah. in her, mm -hmm. like you haven't thought this part out, you know, you don't know. I mean, I don't know. I, I'd have to rewatch that again, I guess, to like address specifically the the conversation um, in yeah. detail. But um, what what do you think of? And do you buy? Do you like what we got? Um, so, if you imagine the world where all of a sudden, mm -hmm. what is it? Half of the population disappears. Right. And then the idea that they present to us seems to be that, well things had to readjust. People moved different places. Mm -hmm. They kind of set up new homes or whatever. And the idea is that this one great uh, catastrophe unified the world in a way that they had not been used to before. And sure. so we get now people that are worldwide on a greater effort working together to make things still function, you yeah. know? Uh, businesses, uh, agricultural, uh, you know, factories, like jobs, doctors, things, the people that have just disappeared and those roles are now feeling a shortage, mm -hmm. uh, you know, things are, are changing. I'm sure like prices skyrocketed for stuff, you know, like all kinds of chaos. Yeah. We don't address that specifically, but basically they're saying we got a new life in a unified manner. We got to see a unified planet mm -hmm. tackling a mission. Mm -hmm. And then everybody came back and then it was, well, kind of back to normal. Like you get pushed out of your new place that you had set yourself up in. You right. now have like, you know, like order goes back to, um, to the way it was previously. All the, the wrongs have been, you know, the, the error has been corrected, you know, so to right. speak. 
whatever. And so that causes chaos. And so that's what makes the Flag Smashers and their cause. We got to see the world more unified mm-hmm. and we got displaced. And now we don't feel like we have a place and we want to go back. So mm-hmm. do you do you buy this? Am I describing this world scenario correctly? And do you buy that this is a reasonable path that things could have gone down? And do you think that they gave us enough detail and context? Um, so I think I think this uh, setup is logical. I think it it's definitely something that could happen. Um, you know, could the flag smashers grow? this large i'm not quite sure about that i definitely see a group like this existing though in this theoretical setup that we've got um and you know i i see them i understand where where this is coming from where it's coming out of like you said in the sense of you know we got this world unification um, it was like a really great time. Everybody was working together. You know, we, we sort of ignored traditional borders and barriers of countries of, you know, maybe, um, ethnic groups, things like that in favor of, you know, becoming unified and working as one. And it's sort of like, it's a little bit of globalization on steroids. Um, but I, I, I see where, you know, a group would see, the benefits of this and want, want to keep that rather than returning to the status quo, you know, pre-snap, pre-blip, um, of feeling that separation, that isolation, um, returning perhaps of discriminations based on, like I said, borders and barriers. So I, I get where this is all coming from. Not sure that it, that it could exist again on this global scale that we've been introduced to. I think that's a bit of a stretch. Um, and I, and again, I think it's partially because I'm not convinced of their leader, you know, and, and her skills in, in managing this group and and managing to grow it as large as it becomes theoretically in the show. So it is, it is a bit hard to believe sometimes. Sure. It's hard for me to specifically like, critique it one way or another because I feel like we don't have enough for how this, what this looked like and how this went down. I I honestly, I don't know that I would trust Marvel to do it, but I I would be interested. I would have been probably more interested in a show that specifically dealt with how things happened here, you know? So like a show that looks in the, at the time before and after the blip during the blip. That kind of yeah, thing. so a show that follows someone that is, you know, there, the blip happens, people are gone, and then we start sure. to see things from their perspective, but then a, from a sure. world stage perspective on how things shape and change and everybody reacts. Sure. And the heroes that are left and the governments that are left and the people that, and you know, like how that happens. Mm-hmm. And then you'd be able to get to a point where of, of some sort of whatever they their system of creates a stability of wherever sure. it's come to. And then, and then moving to now everybody comes back. Sure. And th- then the chaos that erupts from that specifically, because usually the stuff like that in Marvel movies is dealt with through a, I think like a news anchor or some little like headline thing or something mm-hmm. that mentions something that happened, yeah. you know, 
but we don't get the detail. And I understand that's not what they're normally shooting for. I just mm -hmm. would be in, would be interested in that potentially. Yeah, I agree. Um, it seems like Marvel is really focused on presenting things post blip. Um, you know, mm -hmm. obviously this is, this is post blip. Um, we got in WandaVision, it was post as well. And we got to see, you know, the, the chaos immediately following, um, everyone's return, you know, through the eyes of Monica Rambo, um, you know, coming back and, and all of the like sudden reappearance of everybody, but we got, we have no middle, you know, we've got a pre blip and then now we're, we're exclusively focusing post but we've got no journey through. Um, yeah. So I agree. That would be an interesting story to tell. And I think I was just thinking about, you know, what character might be interesting to follow. And I actually think Black Widow would be very interesting, especially um, when I think about her in Endgame and how like tired and beaten down and like, you know, totally despondent she was, you know, at the beginning of the movie when that when there's still, you know, working through figuring out how to return everybody. Um, yeah. She'd be, she'd be an interesting one to have followed, you know, during the time of the blip, I think. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's like, um, I, but previously it was always, you talk, when they talk about the blip, it's, it's in a, a negative light. Yeah. Because mm -hmm. it's half, the world's population, the universe's population is no longer exists, died or whatever. Right. So obviously sad, you know, um, people have lost their loved ones and what, and, uh, you know, family friends, you know, overnight in an instant. So it's more difficult to sympathize than with someone that's in a way, well, this is the silver lining. Maybe you didn't yeah. lose someone in the blip or whatever. And now like you want to, I understand they're not saying necessarily, well, let's kill half the people again and go back to it. Let's right. go back to it without that. Um, but yeah, it would be, I mean, because it, it's one of the points in the show that made me think, like, I mean, yeah, if the blip happens and then you, you know, buy some new property that goes for sale after, a, but where it go? That's the thing. What happens? That's complicated. Someone mm -hmm. owns an apartment building that apartment building owner goes away is blipped right. out of existence well okay so who inherits that or whatever you know um there is inevitably going to be things that don't have much for uh someone to inherit it's the will is not clear there is no will that goes to the state the state does what they will with it they mm -hmm. rent it out to other people or something like that and then all the people that had occupied that space five years ago are like what now how would the world handle that? Right. Exactly. How would the legal systems in varying places, you know, handle that? And so to me, it's ultimately a little unfair, maybe of the flag smashers, like how is the world supposed to handle this? You right. Know? And it's obviously going to be different and varied depending on where you are in case, case by case in many ways. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think it's, it's interesting because my logic, my logic would say, you know, how can you displace the new person who's in there, you know, like it's not their fault that like you disappeared and came back. They've, you know, bought a new piece of property or like you said, like rented a new piece of property, you know, whatever. Um, but yeah, that, that, you know, in this fictional 
world, it seems that the opposite is the case where, you know, kind of reverts back and, and sorry that, you know, you bought this or rented this or whatever, but we're going to have to kick you out now because this person was here first. Um, yeah. So yeah, so it's, I mean, it feels like either way you, you go, you lose. Yeah, you're going to make a lot of people unhappy one way or the other. Right, sure. it's just, yeah, which way do yeah. you feel like you have a logical argument to convince people that this oh, is the, the better way or something? I don't know. I mean, now the, like, I guess I don't know. I mean, because you'd be, it depends on what point you're declared dead. Are you declared deceased? You know, or what was right. the declaration? We don't know what's happened, so they could be back or no, they're, they're gone and dead. So therefore right. your property is, is forfeit. Right. Like, do you, but do you, yeah. I mean, do you consider this person like dead or not? Mm -hmm. You know, like yeah. I'm sure, you know, in this point in time, marriages and things like that get really tricky. Cause like, are you a widow and have you remarried or, you know, like, and now your, your spouse is back and, who's to say, I mean, were they legally dead? So you are, you know, free of that marriage or are they now alive again and you're not? And it makes it more complicated. I mean, again, this is extra complicated because it's fantasy and doesn't happen. Right. But like so those <laughs> things that when occur, but also to complicate it is when the people come back, it doesn't feel like it's been five years. Mm -hmm. They just left and now they're back. What's happened? So of course you'd be irate when something that was yours is gone or something right. has changed or whatever, you know, it's going to be, you know, you would just be beyond belief. What are you talking about? You know, like it was just would not compute. So, yes. um, yeah. But anyways, that, there'll be a lot of drama there that could be, could be shown. Maybe there's a book mm -hmm. of it. Maybe there's Megan, a novelization. Uh, you know, I don't know could be done well or not but yeah yeah i think it'd be an interesting concept to to take a look at the time period of the blip um because mm -hmm. like we said i mean we're, we're getting a lot of before and after looks and no you know time of so yep. it'd be interesting if marvel decides to tackle that do it marvel uh, do it <laughs> so um did you begin at all to because i did to sympathize with the new captain america in this episode i did for a time um and then of course the the end of the episode came around and i and uh the next episode followed and i i sort of like retracted um some of my sympathy but yes i did and not in this first episode four um i i had a lot of problems with him in this episode, you know, kind of coming in hot, deciding that he's the person who knows best. He cut Sam off like way before, you know, the allotted time he says he's going to give him, um, basically picks this fight that ends up with his buddy being killed, you know? Um, so this, this episode, I really didn't, but yes, in the, in the first glimpses of episode five, I did. Um, and I noticed that you had a note about, you know, this is why it's difficult for a normal person, like just a regular average Joe to be Captain America. And I agree yeah. with that statement. I've, I've sort of agreed with that um, since the first announcement of John Walker as Captain America, that, you know, you're throwing him in the deep end with people yep. with literal superpowers, um, you know, super soldier serum, 
And then also just, you know, like enhanced power, like superpowers, you know, you're, you're basically setting them up to fail and to feel less than and to, to create this desperation that I think drives him, um, like I was talking about earlier, you know, when he gets his ass handed to him by the Dora Milaje. I mean, of course he thinks like I have to do something to be on these people's level. And that drives him to take one of the vials of the serum. Um, I hated, I hated every moment of that. I just like was so mad. I was just yelling at the screen, just like, oh, I hate that he has it. I hate that there was one and he gets it. And now he's going to be, a, you know, a player because he's got the super soldier serum. Um, but I, but I understand where that desire came from, certainly. Mm-hmm. And, and can sympathize with, with not wanting to be um, like this weak symbol and not effective of any, you know, real change. Yep. Because we obviously have non-superpowered people that are play like, like Black Widow or whatever, but they're, the expectation is different. You know, yeah. when you're mm-hmm. given this mantle, you know, to, to be this thing, and then, yeah, it's a completely different, different expectation instead of standards right. that you're supposed to live up to. Right. And, um, I mean, it, and Zemo, I mean, Zemo talks about it in the last episode that, you know, uh, Steve Rogers got put up on too much of a pedestal and people, you know, made him into this, like, you know, all important symbol. And he didn't even seem like a human being to some people. Um, and they forgot that he was like a human being with flaws and, you know, flawed decision-making because he just came, became this like monolith of greatness and purity and American ideals and, you know, incorruptible. And that's, that's a huge shadow to cast on anybody taking up that mantle, let alone, you know, like we're talking about a regular Joe. Yep. Well, and that's why, like, I mean, the complication always in superhero things is that, and I think that Captain America's Civil War probably handled this best mm-hmm. or, you know, a Civil War and maybe, yeah, that one for sure, where it would just, like, if superheroes existed in our world today, of course they couldn't be above the law, mm-hmm. you know, but then they're not really superheroes. Like the superheroes right. that we see, Spider-Man goes and swings and does whatever he wants and saves the day. And right. then, you know, sometimes you know, then society likes him. And in like, in the lighthearted way, it's like, oh, he's friends with the cops. All this stuff. But that wouldn't be reality. So like, right. as soon as you start taking it to, you know, reality, you, you start getting, I don't know, things start getting confusing here because like, mm-hmm. yeah, Captain America in this situation is like just taking orders. He's just mm-hmm. doing like a job generally or whatever kind of thing. Right. Well, that's more what it would be like, I guess. Um, but then you'd also, if this was the world to be like, you'd have some jealousy of people for sure, besides superpowers of those that seem to just do what they want, mm-hmm. regardless of the law. So, right. um, anyways, I guess I'm getting off topic. You, you were talking about Zemo and you're talking about him, um, mm-hmm. like with his, these ideals of if automatically, if you're a superhuman, you really, you know, it's automatically you become a superhuman that's aligned with, uh, like a supremacist ideology in a way like yeah. it's creating that so like what are your comments on that kind of breakdown you you'd kind of talked about it just a second ago but um mm-hmm. what do you think we got here yeah i i think 
Zemo is is to me one of the most interesting characters in this show. Um, I really love you know his addition and what he brings um, in terms of being a foil for the other characters and challenging their ideals and beliefs. Um, you know, like I like I talked about, I think he's kind of the one who's bringing a lot of philosophical moments into this show. Um, talking sure. talking last episode about Steve Rogers and, you know, the dangers of, you know, only viewing him as Captain America as like this incorruptible symbol. Um, and he sort of like takes it to the extreme by comparing, <laughs> comparing him to Hitler in a sense of, you know, like people, people believe so much in, in their ideas and things and forget that they're human, that they imbue them with all kinds of power that can go dangerously wrong and, you know, America's just lucky that Steve Rogers was was an incorruptible kind of guy and that he didn't take it to, you know, a very da- he didn't abuse his power and take it to a very dangerous level because he could have, you know, people people really looked up to him and held him as this this symbol um, and he could have abused that and sort of led America down a dark path. And luckily he didn't. Um, but then, you know, he talks in this episode about, you know, if you want to become superhuman, you're automatically ascribing um, to supremacist ideals. And I, and I get that a little bit um, in the sense of, you know, you're, you're thinking you're, you're, you're in essence making yourself better than the regular human, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, So there is a sense of like, you would be above others and you're setting yourself to be like, I guess, supreme over others. Um, but I, and he, he says this with such like absolute absolutism, like Carly wants to make super soldiers. So now she's a supremacist. Mm -hmm. And I'm, I'm not really sure that, um, Zemo can really draw these like large conclusions that he does, um, about the, the essence of humanity from, you know, just the, looking at the example of Steve Rogers or looking at the example of Carly Morgenthau. I think, um, so I had a note here that that it reminds me of um, Schopenhauer's philosophy of the will, which to get super nerdy, um, I wrote a paper on in grad school where Schopenhauer has this idea of the fixed will and it's these innate characteristics that you're born with and they're independent of any learning that you do and any experiences you have as a human. They're just like innate within you um, and they're unalterable. You can't do anything about them. You're, you're going to make decisions and you're going to um, play your role on this earth based on the characteristics that you have. So if you're a coward, if you're brave, if you're, you know, weak, if you're intelligent, these things are fixed and they're going to shape your destiny and your fate and you can't do anything about them. And he points to um, Shakespeare as an example of this. Um, Specifically, he points to this very uh, specific side character of the Earl of Northumberland, who throughout a series of Shakespeare's history plays, uh, Richard II, Henry, some of the Henrys, keeps setting up kings and then betraying them for a new king. And so Schopenhauer says, well, that's, that's his, you know, fixed unalterable characteristic is betrayal. He can't help himself. Um, So he uses like this one very specific character in the entire world of Shakespeare to like make this larger philosophical point. 
So what I wrote in my paper is you can't really do that. You can't look at one character out of the entire pantheon of Shakespeare characters and say, this guy shows exactly what I want him to show. So therefore, this is a universal truth. And I used several of Shakespeare's other characters, um, like Prospero from The Tempest, um, to make the point uh, that Shakespeare does write characters who make different choices, who make um, choices that would initially go against what you think of as their defining characteristic. So that's so, that's what I think Zemo is doing here. He's taking very specific examples of people who act a very certain way and then saying, this applies universally. So was he pointing to Shakespeare in the sense that he was, he was commenting on Shakespeare or commenting on the character? Isn't that Shakespeare can only write because this is him, mm -hmm. this kind of character? Or was it like more of a, well, see, this character acts this way because that's what their design is? Yeah, it's more of the second. This character okay. acts, acts that way because this is what their design is. And of course, like Schopenhauer calls Shakespeare like a genius of, you know, and a master of the character and showing like the true nature of, of human characteristic but I think it's because he he thinks Shakespeare falls very in line with his own ideology. And therefore it's like, oh, his ideals like illuminate mine. Um, like I, I am the philosophy and Shakespeare is the example of my philosophy. Therefore, you know, his work is equally as genius as mine. Sure. Yeah, it seems interesting to, I mean, in my mind, like if I write a character for D and D and mm -hmm. they're the villain, um, that does not make that character inherently true to life in any way. Mm -hmm. Like, I mean, so I couldn't, I couldn't argue, uh, a, a philosophical point that just, you know, describes his character or uses his character to describe a greater point about humanity. Mm -hmm because I could just make a character that makes no sense. Right. You know, the argument has to come first, I would think, that the character that's written is in some way inherently representative of true life and why that is. Because otherwise, it's just it's just that Shakespeare is genius and therefore he can write a character that, you know, is very, right. you know, understandable, plausible. Yeah, I'm trying to... I had, like, a quote about... Um, the way that that Shakespeare presents the characters um, and, and like Schopenhauer's comment on it, that might be getting like too in the weeds, but I don't know. So how do people, how do people, uh, do you feel that his philosophy in any circles holds up to this day? Uh, Schopenhauer's? Yes. Um, I do. I mean, I think, I think that there's a grain of, I think that there's probably a grain of truth in most, you know, philosophical theories. Um, I, I think that there are certain characteristics that people tend to have that can be enhanced by their lived experiences, but are, but are also things that we're born with. And we continually make 
choices that sort of align with some of the characteristics that we innately possess. But for Schopenhauer, he just takes it a little bit too absolutely in the sense of he believes that that this can never be overcome and you can never make different mm-hmm. choices. Whereas I'm I'm a believer that you can. And like I said, I, I, I use some of Shakespeare's own characters to prove that, you know, other, other people believe that you can, you know, even if, even if this is a fictional character, it's still Shakespeare writing this character in a way that they overcome, um, you know, this, this sort of like defining characteristic that they have and make different choices. So therefore Shakespeare must believe it's possible, even if, you know, he's not basing this person on, on a, in a real life character or something like that. Okay. So I, to me, I'm, I'm glad you described the way you did, because when you wrote the comment, I looked it up a little bit and oh, obviously sure. it's just like kind of, uh, larger, more known quotes and stuff. And, mm-hmm. um, it's like the way I got, what I got out of it was a, a precursor to, uh, um, describing both some combination of um, instinct mm-hmm. and DNA before anyone understands DNA yeah. and inheritance, you know? And so it's, it's kind of those things that you would notice in people that are um, seem unalterable things that literally all oh, his father did that and his father's father did that. Yes. And, you mm-hmm. know, like the things that are cyclical that way or, or, or passed down and, right. um, I can see this being like that early, early note of that uh, yeah. of human nature and how that, um, you know, seems immovable. Yeah. Um, it's definitely a facet of like nature versus nurture. It's, it's, you know, obviously Schopenhauer mm-hmm. would be on the side of nature. Um, like you said, it's, it's kind of this, he, he views it as intergenerational, um, you know, things, characteristics that are certainly passed down through families. Um, again, he, this isn't the only example he uses, but it's the one I'm most familiar with. Um, the Earl of Northumberland's family, their, their um, defining characteristic is betrayal because the current Earl of Northumberland in, in Richard II um, betrays his king, but then his father and his father before him have also committed their own betrayals against the crown. So it's it's like this thing that keeps getting passed on and it's fixed and unalterable and you can't do anything about it. Sure. I think, so I had a, a pretty lengthy conversation recently with a friend about free will and it's something that we kind of mm-hmm. go back and forth on a little. Um, it's, um, the, the thing that I always harp on about um, humans that, like lends itself towards the idea of, of a free will. Um, mm-hmm. cause to me, this would, this would suggest a, a lack of free will, um, mm-hmm. is the, that we are self-aware. Um, and I always, I always harp on this when we talk about like the difference between humans and animals or like there was part of this conversation led to, um, you know, why are humans more inherently valuable than any other life? And, you know, it's kind mm-hmm. of, it starts going down that, that path. And sure. it comes to like, if you are a rabbit and you do not understand that you were born and that you will die 
and that you presently exist, you have no, your free will is incredibly limited if it is there because you, you can't change. So going to Schopenhauer's, you can't change other than the reaction of physical stimuli. So something jumps at you and your body takes over and says, run, Mm -hmm. that's instinct. That's humans have that as well. And that would be a a key factor in, in this kind of philosophy. But we are, we are aware that something might jump in front of us Mm-hmm. And can even prepare for that kind of thing or whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, we 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 can be aware. Like, um, I often talk about with with reproduction. Animals rape each other all the time. That's what happens. Well, humans don't have to because humans are aware that that of other people's feelings and can understand that they can understand right and wrong, and then can then choose to not and consent. <laughs> yes, exactly. So it's like. We have we have an awareness that um, I think breaks us free of a mold that our our DNA creates or mm-hmm. and our instincts create specifically. Mm-hmm. Um, even if ultimately some of those things overtake, you know, win out, um, we still we still have a greater choice because we can be aware of it. Yeah, we have more opportunity to yeah. change. Um, you know, not like you said, not necessarily that we do or don't all the time, um, but but we certainly have an awareness that that there can be a choice before us to yeah. overcome. You know, those like what what Shakespeare or excuse me, Schopenhauer would say is is inalterable. You know, we in fact can alter. Yep. You know, and and just added knowledge, even like um, with. If you talk genetics, of course, you know, I don't know if I'm getting too off here or whatever, then it's it's something like diabetes. Beforehand, you would not, you could, uh, you have no idea or whatever, and you get diabetes, and then your kids get diabetes, and then your kids' kids get diabetes, and like that's what happens, and that's the condition you have. But just having to understand that you may be genetically predisposed to having diabetes can then change actions that you would have not pre this knowledge Mm -hmm. and now potentially not get diabetes. You may still, but you may not. And you can, you can, you're setting forth actions to try and it can be successful, which to me would directly fly in the face of uh, Schopenhauer's will kind of thing off of my Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's an element to Schopenhauer where he, he does try to clarify that it's not just like any action. Um, it has to be like a okay. like a defining action. Like you can't just say like, um, oh, I chose eggs for breakfast today. You know, that's that's not indicative of anything. You know, about your character or about your what you know he calls like your predetermined will. Um, it has to be something okay. like, you know, I'm faced with the choice between you know. Um, betraying a friend and you know in doing so getting a promotion like am i am i more self-interested or am i like more invested in my relationships with my friend and schopenhauer would say you don't have a choice like whatever choice you make that's going to be your like defining characteristic that's already built into you that's unalterable and you're going to make this choice 
We're going to see that it's inalterable because you're going to make this choice again and again and again, maybe in a different context, maybe with a different person, but you're going to keep doing this because that's what's in your nature. So that would be against the idea that, uh, you know, if you're a klepto maniac, then you can just therapy. Can just stop it. it, Yeah. (laughs) Just don't, just don't try because you're done. Yeah. Hmm. So that's, I mean, that's, I would that's argue maybe the urge anyway. would always, okay. Okay. I mean, like I, like I said, I argued the opposite. Um, yeah. Right. Theoretically using like his own example against him, but it's still something like I believed it wasn't just like a devil's advocate, like, well, let me show you, you know, another thing that Shakespeare did. So, so yeah. I mean, to kind of bring it back to like this show, I feel like Zemo has very small sample sizes that he's just like cherry picking very convenient examples to say like, you know, these like the, to extrapolate, to use in these like larger universal truths that are supposed to like make Bucky and Sam kind of stop and think about what they're doing and who they are. And I find it a little, a little grandiose, I think, um, for the show. Like it's interesting to think about and I think this conversation mm-hmm. is like interesting to think about, but I think it's a little a little large um for what the show is trying to yeah. trying to make a point of. I I think that like thinking about it for a short time, mm-hmm. I feel like potentially I agree with the idea that wanting to become superhuman is aligned with supremacist supremacist ideals. Mm -hmm. But the difference is having superpowers does not make you a supremacist. Maybe in actuality and like in physicality or something like that. Um, But the difference is motivation. The difference is choice. Yeah. So the if you if you're if you're choosing to become a superhuman versus you are born a superhuman you're born a mutant or whatever you're born Thor like that those are completely different things I agree because one you are and and two you're aspiring well yeah I mean you you bring up an excellent counterpoint obviously like if you're born with this like you never it's not like a supremacist ideal because you never thought consciously about like becoming better than you just were Mm. were born in a certain sense you know, better at something or enhanced or, you know, however you want to describe it. So there's no, like you said, there's no motivation, there's no aspiration, but then also, I mean, if, if this show is going to be so focused on Steve Rogers, I think we have to bring him up as an example because his motivation, at least the way we see it in the first Captain America movie, isn't to become better than it's literally to, I think become as good as and to be in service of because he's fundamentally weaker than, you know, your average guy at the beginning of that movie. And he, he isn't really thinking like this super soldier serum is going to make me better. It's just going to make me capable. It's going to make me useful. It's going to make me of service. So even there, he's not really thinking like, boy, I need to become better than everybody else. It's boy. I just want to be, you know, like everybody else. And I just want to help. And I just want to do my part. Yep. But so. in a way, I mean, at a really basic level, like it's, I want this 
therefore, so I may do my will upon the world. Mm-hmm. Like right now, I cannot do this. And yeah. so I wish to be able to, I mean, that doesn't inherently, It. I just think it changes con- with the context. You know, we're yeah, for sure. Get there. It just changes with, with the context. And that's not to say like that anyone in this situation, so line up a dozen people and mm-hmm. they all are presented with a super soldier serum. And it's like, you can take this or not. Like, um, I think that I'd have to, we'd have to go through a lot of examples, I suppose. But I think that the motivation of each individual determines this. And it doesn't have to be like the motivation of like, well, I want to rule everyone. Like that doesn't right. have to be that to be late, to fall into the bracket of supremacist ideology. Sure. It could just literally be, I want a one up, uh, a hand up on my Frisbee golf. Yeah. <laughs> you know, or it could be, uh, you know, uh, I want a better chance at in the dating scene or whatever. Like it can be something minor too. Mm-hmm. It still, it still lends itself to that as well. But then if you start thinking about that from a principled stance, does it, does that mean that if you want to have a better chance of being better at a sport, that working out and lifting a lot of weights is in line with supremacist ideology Mm, or is it because it's somehow, because it's a quick grab Mm -hmm. that it's different. Like you're still seeking power to do something. Yeah. Yeah. That's a really interesting concept. Um, and we, we sort of end up exploring that a little bit because by the end of episode five, Sam is putting in the work um, and working out and doing all of these things to make himself, you know, what we consider better than the average human, um, at least in physical capability and endurance, um, you know, obviously it, fighting techniques, you know, handling the shield he's, he's trying to give himself a leg up. Mm -hmm. And is, is that Sam being a supremacist then, you know, like that you're, we're taking it kind of to like a far level, but yeah, Mm -hmm. that's a really interesting thing to think about. Like, is it supremacist only because it's like a quick shortcut? Like the super Mm -hmm. soldier serum is just going to make you automatically better and you haven't worked for it. You haven't earned it. You know, is that, is that oh. the difference is the methodology. It kind of goes back to, um, to, to start to prolong our, our philosophical conversation, but I mean, it goes back to Machiavelli, which has been sprinkled throughout this series. Um, you know, Bucky uses like the Machiavelli book to break Zemo out of prison. And of course his most famous ideology is the ends justify the means. So mm-hmm. are we, are we saying then no, that's not the case. It's the means that are important here. You know, like Carly skips all the hard work and just injects herself with a super soldier serum, you know, is Sam's way better because he does the work and he feels that, you know, and we as the viewers feel that he's earned the right to be better than the average person. Right. Yep. Yeah. I mean, I I definitely think that motivation matters when, uh, you know, again, when you're talking about 
bringing something um, so extreme that like automatic labeling as like a supremacist ideology. I mean, like we're go we are going extreme with like, okay, you're working out. And so therefore maybe, but right. that's the way philosophy works has to yeah. scale. Like if philosophy doesn't, if it doesn't make sense on the micro level and, and the macro level, it's not, it doesn't work for, you know, it's not true. It, it, uh, it's, it has a scale. So yeah, I think, we're, I think we're finding that it doesn't scale. Yes, so. I agree. Um, anything else on that episode? <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, just, just the ending here, you know, obviously we, we look at a lot of like different methodologies in this and we get like pretty philosophical throughout the first three quarters of this episode. And then that really sets us up for the ending where we, you know, we have Battlestar being killed uh, by Carly, which sets up, you know, new cap on this, this crazy new path that he's on where he ends up killing one of the flag smashers in broad daylight in front of a crowd um, in, in front of a crowd with cameras that record the whole thing. So, yep. yeah. So that, that was a, a pretty shocking ending that I did not see coming. Yeah. Um, yep. so yeah, a way to, way to, yep. The kills the guy that's defeated. Yeah. Way to, uh, way to set up a, a crazy cliffhanger at the end of this episode. Um, yep. Well, I think in episode five, um, we get a, a cool fight at the beginning. I, I still on and off. I think they're yes. doing a decent job with um, giving, uh, making meaning ways, have sympathy for Cap, this Captain America. And it kind of it's back and forth, you know, it wavers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm liking that enough, you know, um, you know, he's feeling the weight of what he did. But then, you know, it's one of those things like when you're confronted, then you kind of snap to revert to your like self-defense mechanisms. Um, and so we get a cool fight. I don't like that Bucky's arm got like messed up at first. Cause it's like, dude, you have a vibranium arm. I'm not sure what that would have done anything there, Mm -hmm. but, um, but, uh, yes. Um, so we get a cool fight. I think it's the best fight in the show so far because I've been a little underwhelmed, but I thought this one was cool. This one was pretty cool. I, I agree. I, I noted I noted that as well. And I said I had a little bit of Civil War flashbacks here, like superhero mm-hmm. on superhero action. Yep. Yep. Um, we're we're going long, but uh, want to let you get to anything you want to in this episode yet. Mm-hmm. Um, I I talked in my notes still about like more like wanting more context again with like this world, you know, Mm -hmm. I I noted like, where does the GRC get the authority to raid places? Yeah. Yeah. What, what exactly Um, is the GRC? Yeah. And then we see later, like it kind of seems like a different version of a UN with broader, which is, isn't that your one world kind of already flag smashers. Right. Right. I mean, like, yeah, they're they're sort of saying like I think they're they're insinuating that it's that's you know nefarious because it's a corporation rather than like of the people, but it's it's hard yeah it's hard not to see that you know they're they're acting in a like you said in a UN capacity they're just not acting the way that the flag smashers want them to so therefore bad. Yep. Right. 
So. But yeah, no, they, they definitely need to do a better job of explaining what exactly is the GRC and what are their limits and powers and yeah, what are they allowed to do and where do they have yep. jurisdiction even? Yep. And see, to me in this one, it, it started to feel more like there's less of a, the gripe with the flag smashers is less of a, a principled one of mm -hmm. like, uh, you know, let's go back to no borders kind of thing, one world, one people, and more of a like, I feel mm -hmm. displaced. Sure. More of like, I don't have a place to belong. And I'm like, um, I forget how they refer to themselves, but like, you know, I was asking, so don't countries don't take refugees anymore. Like you mm -hmm. can't, you're not welcome anywhere. Like, how is this working exactly? Or is it like a, a resentment for not having the thing you had before? Yeah. Like, I'm not sure I still understand the motivation and that the group is willing to kill mm -hmm. because they feel like they don't belong, I guess. Yeah. Whereas it would make more sense to me on a, like a more like hardline ideological thing, one mm -hmm. world, one people mm -hmm. versus uh, I feel left out. Yeah. I mean, I think it's, I think it's an, I, I feel left out a little bit on, on, a larger scale because they're insinuating, I think, that countries aren't taking people back and aren't taking refugees or aren't or are trying to send people back to countries that they're saying, no, I've left and I've established myself here, but now this country is kicking me out. So it's sort of like a like a dreamers situation, you know, to sort of put it in like modern day political context, even though I don't I don't want to go like political, but I think it's just like an example to say that, you know, I came to this country, you know, I'm established here now. You can't just like kick me out and send me back to another country because the place that I've established myself, you know, now happens to belong to somebody else. Sure. Um, so they're, I mean, I know they're being dumped in these, in these like camps, um, and they're saying like, you know, this isn't like an adequate solution to figuring out what, you know, I'm, I'm supposed to be doing, you know, or where I'm supposed to go. Like, I have an idea of where I'm supposed to go. You can't just like put me in a camp and tell me to wait here forever. Sure. But, yeah. but that's a lot of like inference that I made yes. from, from a lot of pieces of, you know, fragmented clips in this show. And I think that they needed to do a better job of, you know, really exploring that. Yeah, it's a it's an issue the show has had in my mind of like, you know, do you want to be fun superhero thing or do you want to be serious? Yeah. Commentary thing or something, you know, like mm -hmm. it's kind of trying to do both, you know, mm -hmm. uh, struggling a little at both in, in my book. But yeah, yeah, I think there are certain points that the show's done really well, and then there are like th like this is I think one of its weaker points. I think the, explaining the GRC and um, really presenting Carly Morgenthau as like a villain, I think mm -hmm. the show has struggled pretty pretty greatly with that. Yep. Uh, another weaker point that I think just for like it was fine, it was done fine in here or whatever, but the the whole still from the beginning, not getting the bank loan bank loan thing and how oh, that yeah. affected <laughs> into like what they're doing with the family business, you know, um, kind of got off on a bad foot. Yeah. Um, though I did enjoy the kind of, um, 
montage the getting to like being more buddy buddy the working kind of together thing, montage yeah ship, yeah you know yeah uh, that you know that was that was I, I commented at some point it's like I'm happy to finally see the two of them getting along you know yes. like that's <laughs> nice anyways so yes it was a cute yes. like this is our you know we've we've been at each other and we're you know the odd couple kind of thing and having our fights yeah. and now we're like finally getting our bonding moment and we're getting along yeah. and oh it's so funny like don't hit on my sister I'm gonna hit on your sister like oh you know it's it's very like feel good in this in this episode um which like you said is nice but mm -hmm. also like a little unbelievable that like Sam needs to call an entire town to come help him fix his boat <laughs> yeah uh, I mean, the thrust of this episode is clearly that, like you used to comment earlier, that we see Sam lose his wings. Mm -hmm. And so it's like, okay, the time has come now. The new Captain America has been disgraced. Are you are you taking up the shield or not? Right. And so that's what we get. We get the this we get the the path to his decision in this process. Mm -hmm. And um, I think that you know, like again, we we don't like to get political on this show because we want everybody to be happy and have a good time here talking about mm -hmm. fun shit. But um, I want to say I don't think that they could win in their if Sam is going to be Captain America and they're going to have this, I don't think there's a show they could really make and have that win for everyone. Well, I they're think in a tough spot. Yeah, I think Again, not to not to get too far into a political road, I think there there's no way that they could make this show and have it be about Sam, a black man, becoming Captain America without talking about race at some point. And that and this is the episode that it happened. Mm -hmm. You know, and and I just like you said, there's there's no way to I think address it so that that everybody feels comfortable and everybody, you know, gets the win and everybody, you know, walks away just like, oh, it's fine. Like he's Captain America and we didn't discuss these like really awkward things. Um, so there was no way to make this show without, I think, rubbing somebody probably the wrong way at some point. But I think, I think they did a pretty decent job of tackling the subject without, um, I don't know, without without dragging it down too much or without allowing Sam to be his own person and make his own choices. Um, you know, they kind of address that in this episode with him going back to Isaiah, hearing his full story. And, you know, Isaiah saying, like, what decent self-respecting black person would want to be Captain America? And Sam ultimately decides well, me, I do, you know, I, I understand your story and I understand, um, the way that, you know, racism has affected you in this country, but I still think part of the way that we address that racism is for me to become this symbol, this monolith, this, you know, idea that I am also America, not just like Steve Rogers, is Captain sure. America and represents America. I also can represent America as a black man. Mm -hmm. I I do I do a bit of a discredit to our audience that I I don't like. The, I have criticisms of the show that I don't exactly bring up because I don't want to get mm. into it. And 
like I so I so I won't because I just I don't I don't want to like put that on people here or whatever. But I will say to the show's credit, I think that I I appreciate the honesty with the care the way the characters were written. Anyways, like there was no mm -hmm. one that I thought. Um, well, that's not realistic, or I don't believe the way you're motivated, or whatever. Yeah. So I think that the way that this episode went down, you know, um, going back to visit, um, uh, what was his name? Isaiah was it Isaiah. Isaiah, yep. Yeah, going back to visit, you know, like, you know, I, I think that the character they made for him is a believable character. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's the best uh, best compliment I can give is that uh, ultimately I think that they they d it doesn't things don't feel like out of place for sure. the character presented to us. Sure, yeah. like they're just using them in service of a greater point. Yeah, yeah. There are there's bits early, you know earlier in the show that to me feel out of place and unnecessary, or whatever. But this episode where really tackled things uh, that they were going to uh, at least felt honest. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I would agree. I would agree. Um, let's see what else happened here. We got the training montage. Oh, before that we had like the kind of counseling meeting with uh, Sam and, and Bucky and he's like, oh, good talk. You know, he kind oh, of yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sam sort of gave him some advice or whatever. Yes. Um, and I liked that scene. I liked the moments. Mm -hmm. um, I thought it was a little weird how they were casually tossing the shield and reflecting yeah. and stuff. And then it was like Sam's a football. Montage, <laughs> yeah, but then in Sam's montage when he's training, he's like having trouble. It's yes. like you were just doing this fine a second ago. I guess you're yes. just getting worn out or something. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I think the idea was he was supposed to be doing, like, more complicated things in his training, yeah. but you're right. Like, the fact that he, like, couldn't catch it sometimes was a little, like, well, mm -hmm. you just did. I mean, you were tossing, like I said, you were tossing it with Bucky, like, it's a football or a Frisbee and, like, yeah. no big deal. And suddenly you've got problems. But, I mean, you know, it's a training montage. They have to show, like, you making progress or whatever. So, sure. Yep. Um... So that was fun. Um, what is that, Alan? Oh, he's talking about our Ju Julia Louis-Dreyfus cameo, Valentina oh. Allegra de Fontaine, and her uh, her approaching our our ex Captain America now, John Walker. Yeah, letting him know that she she knows he took the serum. She knows, you know, he's going to be out for revenge against Carly. Um, and she's she's interested in uh, obtaining his services um, for some like shadowy group that she is representing. Yeah. Not exactly clear who she's representing right now. I know like her character in the comics has represented a few different groups, including Shield at one point. Not exactly sure that that's what's going on here. It's probably the uh, GRC. Oh, that'd be interesting. That'd be so interesting. do we get it? Are we going to get that shift then? Is it going to be that? Oh, the true villain. Yeah. Is. In, in one episode. <laughs> yeah. That, well, that's what I'm thinking. Like, it's a lot, you know, like if, 
if this, because this feels like one of those setups for something else, for something more. Yeah. And if we're only going to, yeah, we get one episode, that's a lot to do. So they could make it simplistic, you know, it could be, look, yeah, we need a person to, because we're the GRC, we're knocking down doors and we need to ha take care of these flag smashers and, right. you know. I don't know, but he wasn't able to do it before. I'm, I guess he killed the one, so, you know, I don't know, but. Yeah, but, uh, like, that was definitely a, uh, he needed help to even find them in the first place. Like, yes, correct. So, yep. we'll, we'll see. It was an assist, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, we'll see. I mean, this this reminds me, you know, when we were talking about WandaVision and we were like, how is this going to wrap up in the last, you know, episode? And they did it. Um, I'm just, I don't know. I feel even more unsure about this show, but maybe, maybe they're going to, you know, blow away my expectations and, and wrap these things up in a, in a logical way in the, in the last one. Yeah. But feels, yeah, feels hard to the, see right now. Right. Yeah. I mean, and what will feel satisfying, you yeah. know, they're trying to get us to sympathize with the flag smashers. So, and our lead character clearly has and stuff. So it's not going to be satisfying to just have them all killed and they're done. Right. You know, um, if you just like kill ex Captain America here, well, okay, but you didn't deal with the primary threat. Um, yeah. How does it end in a satisfying manner? Right. Well, and how can, how can you take care of John Walker um, in a, in a way that you're not turning Sam into, you know, what, what we saw John Walker become like, you know, the, the yeah. point of him killing the flag smasher was like, Captain America would never do that. And he's tainted the shield with blood now. Right. Um, so, I mean, how can you, you know, what are you going to have Sam do potentially to take care of Captain, this new new slash also former Captain America, um, yeah. that, that won't taint the shield in that way. But that is a, um, like, it's always one of those hypocritical things where, um, it's at, there's a, I think they're called the corridor crew. They do a YouTube channel and stuff and they do one scene. They remake the effects in them and stuff. They're like, make a thing rated R or whatever. And so they use a, a, a Avengers thing and Captain America's throwing his shield and like just cutting people in half. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like the reality of what would actually happen with that kind of force. Yeah. You know, so like, like the sad, the thing is that and that's why it's difficult, always difficult to do these things. Like you can't, it's hard to have it both ways, fun, action, adventure, superhero fluff, where clearly if this was real, you'd be manslaughter. You'd be just killing people. Oh, right. Way. Yeah. They'd be all dead or vegetables, you know? But you ignore that. They're fine. It's okay. Don't worry about it. It's fake. Right. And then, or you go the other way and then, you know, and then what it's would way have too been real. happening this whole time? Yeah. Like it's, it comes off as a little like, um, you know, it doesn't quite ring um, honest, you know, yes. um, in that. But uh, yeah, it's something difficult to, to deal with all the time. Corridor, digi corridor digital. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, I guess what I'm most excited for going into the final episode is just seeing what Sam's Wakandan, presumably suit 
is like because yes. that's the thing that really I mean you look at Black Panther Black Panther isn't super powered but he has an amazing suit right that can basically you know absorb all kinds of damage and blows and stuff like that um yeah I mean he's a so. different version of Iron Man I mean yeah you know mm-hmm. Tony Stark isn't anybody physically different but uh uh you know he's got a, a genius intellect and has built himself a suit that can you know make him as powerful so alan says he has powers from the flower i don't remember that but but uh oh right 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 he does um because yeah he eats like the other flower in terms of that's why you get chosen or whatever right and then you go in that room and yeah the heart-shaped herb that's right because he like eats the thing addicts yeah, he eats the thing that ideology. <laughs> he eats the thing that neutralizes it when he gets challenged, so that he's like uh, a regular yeah. person to prove that he's chosen to mm-hmm. to be the king of Wakanda. Yeah, I do remember that now. Thank you, Alan. Interesting. What but yeah, that? I mean, I mean, part of part of like being the Black Panther though is the suit as well. Yeah. Yeah. Adding resilience. So yeah, I think right. that's the that's the thing. You know, he's he's lost his wings, gained a shield, but you know, he you know, something more, and you get this Wakandan design suit. That'd be yes. that could be cool. I want to see what that looks like. Yeah. So. I'm I'm interested as well. It could be a little game changer for Sam there, um, in terms of like feeling more like Captain America. Um, and I did love, I think we both kind of noted. At the end there, you know, his nephew's running around calling him Uncle Sam. Like, oh, I didn't you know, know as... it. I liked your comment. I liked, I, uh, oh, okay. Good. I thought it was pretty funny. <laughs> I mean, it's just like another, you know, he's America. He's Uncle Sam. Yeah. And it was just like very, very apropos that he's now going to become Captain America. So it was pretty funny. Well, I hope they can bring the, the fun in this next episode. I know there's yes. like, um, you know, action to be had and stuff. But I hope that um, they don't try to make me pity the anyone too much, you know, mm-hmm. and make it um, successfully uh, action-packed and satisfying in its conclusion, as opposed to like, oh, I understand you now, isn't this too bad? Uh, right. I sympathize. Now you're kind of the good guy too, even though you murdered people and blew up on a building, and like, you know, I I don't want that wishy-washiness. Mm-hmm. So. That's my yeah. Opinion. Yeah. I think it would be, it'd be great if they can manage to deal with both Carly and John Walker in satisfying manners. Um, much the way that, you know, the show, and I know he's, he's a less consequential character at this point, but the, I mean, the show dealing with Zemo and what is his fate? It's like right. to go off with the Wakandans. Like it just felt like, yep, that's very satisfying because that's what they wanted. Yep. And like, he's the one who wronged them. And he was like, Yep, I totally get it. Like, this is this is the deal, and I know what I did, and I forgive you. So, and then that you know kind of paved the way that cleared one of our you know anti heroes off the board, so that we could deal with the others. Um, and it kind of cleared the way for I think Bucky and Sam to have their like you know more lighthearted moments together. So hopefully, hopefully we can do something like that in the last episode here too. Yeah. Yeah. All right. All righty. That everything you feel like you wanted to say. About I think these so. 
I think so. Got pretty deep, so I'm not sure where else yeah. I would go. <laughs> <laughs> we never know, um, you know, how much um, something is going to spark conversation. So, like, mm -hmm. we, we could have cut out all the news, but, you know, whatever, you know. It's... Um, that's right. You can you, just like your favorite television show, you can watch our episodes or listen to them in pieces. Yes, it's perfectly fine. So, um, let's see. All right. Well, that was Falcon and Winter Soldier episodes four and five. Mm -hmm. um, early in the episode, we had lots of news. Um, so you should follow us here on Twitch and YouTube and Twitter and Facebook, and on your favorite podcast directory. Also, like and share. Um, you know, if you find any value in our conversation about any of this stuff, <laughs> let other people, other people might too, you know? You know, that's how I know that this podcast can work because we both like this stuff. Therefore, by default, other people like this stuff too. That's right. That's right. So We represent the larger people. <laughs> um otherwise our theme song comes to you from killing the flower you should check them out on instagram youtube and um spotify we thank them very much and i often well usually three days a week i guess monday monday wednesday and friday um, I play with my brother-in-law, Lucas333, that's Lucas with a K, on Twitch. We're usually streaming um, Fortnite. Today it was uh, Paladins or Hearthstone or Spellbreak. Like, we change it up sometimes, go into different streaks. So tune in to check that out. Give him a follow. And I think I've covered the bases. I believe you have. All right. I mean, I could just I could just delay and longer, <laughs> you know, we're, if we haven't had the longest episode yet, I can just filibuster until it is <laughs> for sure the longest episode. That's hilarious, because uh, uh, just to end on a, on a funny note, uh, Chris is rewatching The West Wing right now, and we literally just watched a filibuster episode um, where one of the senators was reading a recipe book. And then he was reading some Charles Dickens. Um, God, I, I forget what else. He reads like a like a car manual, I think, at one point. So, nice. If you ever if you ever need any ideas, apparently those are some good long long things to to hold up the filibuster. I think a person should read like some some sort of like Karma Sutra. So you have to like <laughs> just, just make your just audience like wildly stride. uncomfortable. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> so that they're like, oh my God, we need to end this right now. <laughs> That's brilliant, actually. <laughs> yep. All right. Um, well, thank you everyone for tuning in and mm -hmm. um, we'll be back next week. Sounds good. Finale episode. It should be a good one. Yep. Talk to you later. Right. Cheers, everybody. <laughs>